So we're starting 40.30 today. And Guru Nanak Dev Ji here continues to instruct mankind on the qualities that are needed to walk on the path of non-duality. So the qualities that Guru has mentioned in the two related verses before this, we'll quickly recap those. Guru started by talking about contentment, mundasantok, create the earrings of contentment, effort is your begging bowl, awareness is what you smear your body with, wear a coat of death, a pure virginity of your body and carry a cane of trust. The highest yogic community that you can belong to is to create a universal brotherhood of mankind and conquering the mind is the real conqueror of the world. Consume the food of wisdom cooked by compassion and hear the sound of oneness in each and every heart. And Guru also mentions this idea of Sanjog Bijog Doikar Chalave about destiny of union and separation controlling our lives. So these are all the qualities that Guru has mentioned so far in the last two verses. And the next quality that Guruji talks about is the beginning of the 30th verse. Eka mai jugat viyai tin chele parvan. Eka means one, mai means mother. Jugat here means union. Viyai means to give birth or to become pregnant. Eka mai jugat viyai tin chele parvan. And this one mother conceives and gives birth to three primary servants. So Guruji is using the analogy of the things that are important to the Siddhs and the Yogis with which he is talking to. And the Siddhs consider the great goddess of the world to be Parvati, the divine mother goddess the mother of all creation. Guru Nanak Dev Ji responds to that and says, Eka mai jugat viyai. The word mai here, he says, there is a mother of creation, but maya is the mother of creation. The one mother is maya who has given birth. So there's a few ways that we can look at this first half of this line. Eka mai, the one mother, jugat viyai united and gave birth. We can also say that who has she been united with? So we can say the father of creation is the oneness, that formless one, and Maya being the mother of creation. So we can talk about the form and the formless uniting to create the universe. Oneness is the parent of all 
Oneness is the mother and father of all creation, but the oneness itself doesn't have a mother and a father. The oneness has no parents. The oneness has never been born. Guru Gobind Singh Ji mentions this in the Akalustat. He says, Na tatang, na matang, na jatang, na kayang. There is no father, no mother. There is no birth and no body. This oneness is beyond all of those things. So, Eka Mai Jugat Vyai Tin Chele Parvan. So, just to begin with, let's have a look at the spelling of this word here, Tin. So, the spelling here is Tin with a Sihari on the last letter, which is the Nanna. Now, most of the time when you see this word, tin, with a sihari, it's actually a pronoun. Now, a pronoun is a non-specific naming word. So, in English we would say, he or she is a pronoun. So, in the same way, a pronoun is referring to a person, and the sihari version of this word is a singular pronoun. So it means one person, that person. Now in English we don't have a word to mean that person. We have he and we have she. But here the word thin means that person. So it's a singular pronoun. The plural of this word is where you take the sihari away from the last letter. So that would be the plural of the word above. So instead of saying that person, we would say those people. Or we can say they. And in Bodhi 5 of the Japji Sahib, we've seen an example of this word, Din. We read in the fifth Bodhi, Jin Sevya Din Payaman, that's the top version. And so, knowing the difference between the plural and the singular version of this word, we can see that in that line, the tin is spelt with a sihari at the end of the nanna. So, we can say the same for the word jin, which also has a sihari at the end of the nanna. So, those are both singular words. So, if your translations say those people, jin sevya tin payamain man, that would be inaccurate. Jin Sevya in that particular line will mean that person. Whoever has served Jin Sevya, Tin, that person, singular, Bayaman, obtains honor. So those are the two common ways that we see the word Tin. But in this particular line, going back to verse 30, Tin represents the number three. So here the word Tin means three. So what Guruji is saying here is there are three chele servants and the word parvan means primary. One mother gave birth to thin chele, three servants, three primary children, three main characters who we need to understand a little bit more about.
So Maya is the parent of the world. But the world is made up of three things. The world can be broken down into three categories. There are three aspects of Maya. Maya is not separate from the three. Maya is made up of these three. Another way that we can look at this is from the word ikwankar. We can say the formless one, represented by ik, united with oang, which is vibration, to create the three parts of the world, which is kar. Ik, that formless being, unites with the oang. Ik oang get together, and from that, the whole of creation comes out, which is kar, this ongoing, continuous process of creation. And the universe has been said to have three qualities to it. Three primary servants, Tin Chele Parvan. Now, so far, we've only been learning about oneness or duality, either one or two. And this is what most spiritual traditions talk about this oneness that is everywhere and the opposite of oneness, which is duality. So, why has the world and creation been divided into threes? And Gurbani also refers to Maya and the world in several places as being threefold, that there's three aspects to the world, three primary elements of Maya. And the words that Gurbani uses is Tregun or Tribid. Again, these just three qualities of, of, of creation. So what is the three being referred to here? What are we talking about? In order to understand the three qualities of Maya, first we need to understand what is Maya. So let's look at what is Maya. According to ancient Hindu texts, all of creation has three qualities. And these qualities are the three basic elements that make up all matter. All matter, all of the material world consists of three elements. And the words being given here are sattva, rajas and tamas. We also hear that the words being used as satogun, rajogun and tamogun. And there are many interpretations to these words. Satogun is generally described as something pure, goodness, supreme knowledge. Rajogun is described as activity, movement, inertia. The opposite of that is laziness, slowness, which is tamas, tamogun. And sometimes tamogun is also being described as selfishness or greed. Self-centeredness. So what does that mean? How can the universe have these three qualities? Now throughout time, how mankind has understood the world is to always break everything that we know about the world into three parts. And we can see this in so many different parts and so many different things that we know about the world. If we start with time, there are three basic elements of time, past, present and future. If we look at temperature, 
something is either too hot, too cold, or just the right temperature, moderate. Even in ancient cosmology, we would say that we have a heaven, a hell, and the earth, where we live, the higher regions and the lower regions. If we think about our life, what does life consist of? Birth, living, and dying. And even the most basic understanding of mankind is that we have three bodies. We would say that we're made up of mind, body, and spirit. In the Indian traditions, we talk about three bodies being the astul, sarir, that which is visible, the suksham sarir, that which is subtle, hidden, and the karan sarir, that which is very deeply ingrained within us. Even science talks about the building blocks of all matter being made up of proton, neutron, and the electron. And this is something that we see in lots of different traditions. In Christianity, they talk about three elements of God, three ways to see God, the forms of God, and they call this the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And even when Christ is born, Mary and Joseph are visited by three wise men. When we look at ancient Hindu texts, we see that this idea of categorizing the world into three goes even further. We've come across this idea of the Trimurti, which is that the whole of the world starts and relies upon creation, a creator, Brahma, a sustainer, Vishnu, and a destroyer, Shiva. We've talked about the qualities of matter, which is this Sattva, Rajas, and Tamas, Sattva, Raju, and Tamogun. In the Hindu text, it talks about three states of consciousness. In our day, there are only three main ways in which we function. Either we're awake, which is Jagrat, or we're dreaming, which is Swapan, or we have a deep sleep where there's no dream, which is Sukhpat. So again, there are only three ways that we can function during our day, three states of consciousness. Even if you look at Ayurveda, which is the ancient medicine of the East, they talk about the whole universe having three energies, doshas, which are vata, pitta, and kapha. So wherever you look, there is this idea that the universe can be broken up into three different states. Collectively, the three, when they get together, create maya. Maya is reliant on these three. So maya is the creation that is consisting of these three qualities. And it is said that everything is Maya. Maya includes the animals, the plants. Maya includes the mountains, the land, the water, the stars, the moon, the planets. All of these things are subject to these three qualities. So one way that we can look at Maya is as the physical world. We can say maya is the physical matter, form, anything that is manifest.
And we talk about the divine or God being something beyond Maya. So that's the basic way in which most people look at creation and divine. But there's a danger in looking at the world in this way. The danger of looking at the world as Maya and the divine as something that is beyond Maya is that what we do is that we then create a preference for the non-form over the form. We say the world is ordinary, the form is ordinary, and God has to be something extraordinary. So God is always invisible, God is always hiding from us. God is always something that's intangible. And so what we do is we create God in this image. Because we see the world as pretty normal, we create God as something that is abnormal, something that is beyond what we see in the everyday world. And Gurbani has rejected this idea of seeing God as something that's always far away and distant and invisible. Guru Arjan Devji talks about Nirgun and Sargun, formless and form. Nirgun being of no qualities and Sargun being of full of qualities. Guru Arjan Devji says, Nirgun aap Sargun bi ohi. You are formless, of no qualities, and you have all qualities. Kalatar jin sagli mohi. Manifesting its power, it fascinates the entire world. So, God is Maya and God is beyond Maya. God is the world and God is beyond the world. God is not restricted to this world. Now the question is, if God is everything, if God is the world, then how come we don't experience God in this way? How come we don't see the world as this divine being? Why is it that we see Maya first? Why is it that we are distracted by it? And why is it that Maya can be broken into three parts? Why is three so significant? Why don't we experience something beyond Maya? Why don't we experience God? And the key comes to, the key comes down to how we experience is also reliant on three things. How we experience the world is reliant on three. The three parts that we rely on in order to experience anything is subject, object, and the connection, the association between the three. In simpler terms, in order to experience anything, there has to be a me, there has to be a you, and there has to be some connection between me and you, some association between us. And this is how we engage with the whole of creation. We rely on these three parts. In order to understand ourselves and understand the world, we break everything down into these three parts. We can also talk about the knower, me, the known, you, and knowing, which is the association between the, the knower and the known. So, so far, we've only ever talked about the me and the you, the duality. There is either me and there is everything else, the you. And 
the duality relies on this third part, the association, in order to create this duality. So this third state, this association, we can call it association, we can call it relationship, we can call it attachment. Any sort of identification that we make with either me or with you creates the duality. The duality doesn't exist until I identify with this body and by identifying with this body I reject everything else. So I've created an association with me and a different relationship with you. So this is how duality is born. This is what we mean by duality. Duality means our sense of identity, our individuality and our separation from everything else. This is me and everything else is not me. Even the word individuality has the word duality hidden within it. So in the same way, this I amness, this me, is a di direct result of a relationship that I've created with this thing that I identify with. I only exist because there is something that has created an association, an affiliation with this I. So the I has created a relationship with itself. It says, I am. And by saying, I am, everything else becomes something else. And as soon as you create this identification with me, so there's a me, I've now identified with me, and I don't identify with everything else. You've created all three. And once Maya comes in, reliant on these three parts, God disappears. It's reliant on these three elements. Quite often, Maya is referred to as an illusion. And again, this is a very difficult word to translate. Maya is one of those terribly diff difficult words where there is no direct relationship with any word in English. So sometimes you see the word illusion. And illusion is also inaccurate. If we think about the word illusion, what we mean is something like a mirage, something that looks like it's there, but it's not really there. That's what we mean by an illusion. And that isn't the right word here, because the sun, the moon, the stars, the sky, the earth, they're all actually here. This is here. So it isn't an illusion. It isn't something that isn't here. So. Perhaps a better description of Maya is a false perception of reality or the delusion rather than the illusion. So all of these things are actually here, so we can't say that they're an illusion. But what we do is we think that everything that we can see and touch and feel are real, that this is the ultimate reality. We look at the whole world and we say, this is all there is to the world. So that is a delusion, a false perception that this, what we can see, is the ultimate reality. And Gurbani says that the reason this is false, the reason this is an illusion, or rather the reason that this is a delusion, is because everything around us is actually temporary. Nothing in this world is permanent. Everything is temporary. So, Maya is the delusion that temporary things are permanent. 
Maya is the delusion that this temporary world is actually something that's real and permanent. Like this is the ultimate reality. That's our delusion. That's the confusion that we've put upon the world. So what does this delusion do to us? What does Maya do to us? By constantly focusing on everything that we can see, by constantly focusing on what has been created, what we lose is the underlying essence of creation, this aliveness. We look at a tree as a tree. We look at a plant as a plant, an animal as an animal, a person as a person. And we think that that's reality. But what we're missing out on is underneath all of that, there's an essence. There's something that makes all of those things connect. There's something that unites and binds all living things together, which is ultimately this aliveness. Everything is alive. In one description or another, even the rocks, even the stars and the moons, all are created, all exist, and at some point will all die. The very basic definition of something being alive is that it can be created, it is alive, it is around, and it can be destroyed. And the whole planet, and the solar system, and the sun, and the stars, and the moons, all follow this life cycle. So by constantly looking at all of these things, what we do is we miss out on something that's the underpinning essence of all of them. And this is what Maya does to us. We get distracted by what there is and we can't see something beyond it. We just stop. Maya becomes a barrier. Maya is like a wall. As soon as you see it, you don't see past it. That's, that's as far as you go. And going on this spiritual path, as soon as you sit down and you try and meditate, as soon as you try and connect with something beyond Maya, Maya steps in. Straight away, anything that allows you to be distracted away from this meditation comes in. And all of the things that distract you are things that have been created. All the world that you know around you, that's what distracts you. You're only distracted by the things that you know around you. So Maya is this constant distraction and how does Maya represent itself? Everything is Maya. Everything is a potential distraction. So Maya has sometimes been described as a female with many different faces, with many different disguises, many forms, many beautiful outfits to distract you with, many delusions, many ways to stop you from connecting to something beyond it. Maya doesn't want you to see past the Maya. Maya is happy getting all of your attention. So Maya, we can say, is this innate nature within us to be distracted from away from our oneness. Maya is the innate nature to be distracted away from our own oneness. And it's so natural to be distracted. It's so easy to get lost in thought. And it's so easy because we continue to experience the world from the perspective of I. 
the very way in which we look at the world is from the perspective of Maya. We look at the world from I. And by looking at the world from the perspective of I, everything else becomes you. We create a relationship with ourself and we create different relationships with everything else. So we are looking at the world through Maya and we also find God in the same way that we try and find everything else in the world. The search for God is a search through Maya. And that's why we find it so difficult. But our perception, the very way that we look at the world through the lens of I, has been the cause of the greatest suffering in the world. I and our individuality has caused the most number of wars, the most hurt, the most greatest suffering has come from this I, greater than any disease or natural disaster ever has. So Maya means to be distracted by creating relationships, by creating attachments. So this is what Guru is starting to talk about, this Eka Mai, Jukat Vyai Tin Chele Parvan. The world is a mother which has broken everything up into three forms. Guruji then goes on to outline some of these three forms. What are the servants of Maya? Guru says, Ik sansari, ik pandari, ik lae dibana. The word sansari comes from the word sansar, which means the world. We can say sansari is worldly, that which creates the world, the world creator. Pandari, in the last verse, we heard about this pandaran, this food deliverer. So, pandar means to hold a stockpile of something, whether it's a stockpile of food or wealth or any sort of collection. So, pandari is the one that sustains the world, that maintains the stockpiles. And traditionally we would say the creator of the world is Brahma, the sustainer of the world is Vishnu. And Lae Diban, Lae Diban means, Diban means court or a court of judgment. Lae Diban means to deliver judgment. So if one creates the world, one sustains the world, then there is this one who dishes out the judgment on the world and the final judgment on everything is the destruction of everything. So this is the destroyer, Shiva. There's another way to look at Lae Di Baan is to split it into three words. Lae Di Baan. Lae means to remove La, to take something away. Di the habit of doing that, barn means the habit of taking things away. And again, that refers back to the, the destroyer, the action of con constantly removing from the world, which is this Shiva. And in the same way, we can look at these from the three qualities of Maya. So, that which creates the world is constantly doing something, is this Rajogun, always constantly active, constantly creating. Satogun is not really doing much, it's just keeping everything going. It's tranquil, it's at peace. And 
Tamogun is this idea of taking back, taking for yourself. So the destroyer, Shiva, is this Tamogun sort of energy. So Guruji talks about these three things here. So who are the three children of Maya? It's again this Satogun, Ramogun, Rajogun and Tamogun. And the creator, sustainer, destroyer analogy comes in. Jiv tis bhaave, tive chalave, jiv hove furman. Jiv tis bhaave, as it is pleasing, bhaave means to be pleased. As it is pleasing to Maya, tive chalave, that's how Maya controls everything. Jiv hove furman, as Maya gives the instruction, the command, the furman, so the three servants of Maya carry on acting. So remember that God is Maya. God is beyond Maya, but God is also the Maya. So whatever Maya wants, that's what happens. Maya commands and the whole universe follows that command. The three servants continue to perform the acts based on what the Master has said. Jiv tis pave tive chalave jiv hove furman o vikhe ona nadar na ave bhota eho vidan. O vikhe, it sees ona nadar na ave, but it doesn't come under their glance. Ona nadar, under their glance, it isn't subservient to their glance. Ona de nadar na ave, it doesn't come under their nadar. Bhauta eho vidan. Such is this vidan, such is this miracle, this wondrous show. God is Maya, but here Guruji is saying God is also beyond Maya. God is the creator of everything. God can view everything. This divinity can see the whole world, can control the whole world, but the whole world has no say over God. The divine, that oneness, that, that intrinsic quality within everything, ultimately has full control and nothing controls it. It commands everything within creation, but creation does not have an effect on the divine. The divine sees everything we do. Everything we do in public, everything we do in private, everything we do in secret. There is nowhere that you can go that this divine isn't there. So what Guru Nanak Dev Ji is doing here is alluding to the fact that there is something beyond the three. The whole of creation belongs to the three, but there is something that is beyond the three. The three can be witnessed, but the three can't have a control over this one thing. So what Guru Nanak Dev Ji is now showing us is that there is a fourth layer or a fourth way to look at the world, a fourth element. The Hindus have called this Turiya. Gurbani has called this Chautapad, the fourth level, the fourth state. And when we follow the wisdom of the Guru, Guru Nanak Dev Ji says that we can transcend from the three worlds of Maya into this fourth state, where now Maya is no longer under our, the Maya is no longer controlling us. We can control Maya. Maya no longer has the impact on us that it once did. That is this fourth state. And in order to do that, you have to transcend Maya.
Bhagat Kabirji talks about this. He says, Raj gun, tam gun, sat gun kahiye, eh teri sab maya. The Rajas, the Tamas and the Satav, these three modes are the creations of your Maya. Sab teri, teri sab Maya, chauthe pad ko jo nar chinhe, tine hi param pad paya. The man who realizes the fourth state, he alone obtains the chauthe pad, this param pad, the, the supreme state. The way to get out of it is to move away from the three into the fourth level. So, when we're able to completely disassociate with the threefold aspects of creation, however we understand creation in threes, whether that is in time, past, present and future, we need to disassociate with those three. Whether it's with our life, birth, living and dying, we have to disassociate from those three. Whether it's the relationships that we create with me and you and the connections between us, we have to transcend those. When you no longer have relationships with anything in threes, when you have no relationship with anything, with the Guru's grace, we can transcend into what's called the fourth state. And in this state, you will be able to observe creation, but creation will have no impact on you. You are detached completely from creation. You can observe the three parts of creation. They still exist. The creation doesn't go anywhere. Birth, living and dying still happens. Morning, noon and night still happens, but they don't affect you. Guruji says, O Vekhe, O Na Nadarna Ave. You will reach a state where you will be able to see the entire creation, but you will not fall under their nadar. You will not fall under their glance. They won't have any influence on, over you. Bhauta Iho Vedan. Look at this great miracle. Look at this wondrous thing. So, in the context of the last two verses, Guru talked about contentment. Guruji talked about lots of different qualities of trust, of death. Guru saying that there is something more important than all of these, which is to recognize Maya and to transcend Maya. Guru has time and time again throughout Gurbani said that everyone in every spiritual tradition is doing it for Maya, is doing it under the influence of Maya. Our whole spiritual path is under the influence of Maya. We do our religious practices based on Maya. I am going to get something. I am going to get salvation. I want to achieve. I want to be better than this. I was bad. Now I want to be good. We do everything within Maya. And Guru says because of that, we don't achieve anything. And this goes across the board. Guruji has been relentless in making sure that everyone understands that all your spiritual practices are within this Maya. As long as you identify with me, you and the associations between them, then your religious practice hasn't started yet. Your spirituality hasn't begun yet. Because you've not been able to see that which is staring you in the face.
So we have to ask ourselves this question, what is our spiritual practice? Have I seen what it is that needs to be transcended? Or am I doing spiritual practice within the control of Maya? Is Maya still in control of me? Do I still associate with this body? Do I still have a desire that I want to gain liberation when I die? That means I associate with birth, living, and there is something called dying. You have to transcend absolutely everything. And the only way to transcend absolutely everything is to break the biggest Maya, which is I. Maya has also been described as a drug. Maya is a drug that has intoxicated the whole world. And the biggest drug that you and me are intoxicated with right now is the drug of I. Everything else is a drug. We look down in society, we look down on people that consume narcotics, that take drugs. We say these people are abnormal, we are normal. Guru Nanak Dev Ji doesn't have that view. Guru Nanak Dev Ji says, when did you take your drug? When did you get off your drug? Because you are under the influence of the drug of Maya. Maya has intoxicated the whole world. And this is such a great intoxicant that you don't even know you've taken it. You don't even know that you're high on Maya right now. And you don't know that you're high, so you don't know how to get off that high. So don't look down on anyone else in your spiritual practice when you yourself are being intoxicated. And what is your spiritual practice? You have to really ask yourself, what am I trying to achieve? Who is trying to achieve? If there is an I wanting to achieve anything, you will not achieve it because you are within the threefold of Maya. And the only way to actually achieve something is to transcend everything that can be broken into threes. That includes me, the biggest drug, the biggest Maya. So Guru says all the things that we've talked about so far, having an appreciation for death, having trust, having contentment, having wisdom, eating the food of wisdom, all of that is fine. But Maya is something much greater much more powerful, much more subtle that you have to have an appreciation for. And when you can understand it, when you can go with the Guru's grace to that fourth state, then you will see the miracle of the whole thing. What a great, amazing miracle this is. And Guru says to this miracle, to this state, to this oneness, to this final state where you will connect with the divine because you will be the divine, Guru says, to that are this, the set are this. I bow to this, I bow. That which is ad, anil, anad, anahat. The first, that purity, beyond beginning, beyond end. Jug jug eko ves, the one form throughout all of the ages. Why Guru Jika Khalsa? Why Guruji ki fateh?